0: AMP we are a podcast focused on you the AMP instructor. We want to build a community of sharing ideas and best practices in anatomy and physiology for the success of students everywhere. I'm Valerie Kramer, the marketing manager for AMP here at McGraw Hill and I'm super excited today to introduce Dr. Jeffrey Kingsbury who is an instructor at Arizona State University in Phoenix. Welcome, Jeff. I have to say I'm a little envious of uh, your weather down there in the Southwest. We we got spring but uh now we're getting storms and it's nearly May so we're ready for warm weather. Well,
1: thank you Valerie. It's it's good to be here today. Uh I'm delighted to be speaking with you and share some things about um about AMP revealed and and uh the Connect platform. And yes, it it is beautiful here in Arizona. <laughs> I think it's about 85 or supposed to be about 85 today. And uh, we're all out here enjoying our barbecues and our swimming pools and um waiting for the rest of the country to catch up to us in that report. Yes,
0: (laughs) so nice. We'll send it some of our way. (laughs) Okay, so Jeff, so you've worked a little bit with our A&P team, including contributions at our recent symposia and uh, even being an advisor on our advisory board for, for ATR, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I've heard wonderful things about your course, and I know we can all learn from each other. So kick us off a little bit by telling us Your background and how you got into teaching.
1: So um, my background is I was a uh, a biology major in in college as my undergrad for my bachelor's degree, and uh, I went to um, graduate school, medical school, and then realized uh, in my during my training that um, teaching is what I really enjoyed. I had the opportunity to teach when I was a student. in in graduate school. And I really enjoyed that. And uh, the sort of evolution of my own uh, education was that I I was able to um, transition into uh, an MD, PhD program. And I had a really wonderful mentor, Dr. Charles Lebo, when I was at the University of Buffalo. And um, I had some great experiences doing physiology research with Dr. Lebo. And um, I was able to, to finish my, my medical degree and complete my, my, uh, internship and, um, sort of move toward a teaching track through the, the program that I was in, which was the, which was, uh, an external, uh, program through funded by the National Institute of Health, um, to help people get into teaching careers. And so I, um, i was able to to sort of transition into more of a teaching pathway in my career and uh i did not actually finish my phd i, I was um you know life kind of intervenes in some of them, in in some things i i had um uh, i got married had a couple children and, and realized mm-hmm. i needed to earn a living and was fortunate enough that as as probably most of many people in the audience know a lot of people in in anatomy and physiology teach using their their uh, medical degree, and so i've been fortunate to be able to to have a, a career in academia um, and I think you know that that background helps me um, give my students a, a you know an interesting perspective uh, on some of the more <clears throat> some of the issues in anatomy and physiology that um, a lot of times I think students need to have and they need to understand relevance and perspective, and so I think uh, my background helps me kind of put some things in context for students in a way that's relevant. Uh, you know, if you're a student studying to be, for example, a physical therapist, and um, understanding cardiac output and cardiac physiology can seem kind of esoteric until you understand the mechanism of why, if, you, if, if somebody has coronary artery disease and you put them on a treadmill, that can turn out to be a problem for them. So um, I think that background has kind of helped me connect with students in a way that, that helps bring the subject to them in a way that, that, is, um, that has some real-world application.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love that they can make some connections, and they probably trust uh, what your background knowing what you say is actually true. And answering the why, I think we all want to know why we 're doing what we 're doing
1: <laughs> right, I, th- I you know I think when you when you give something relevance, it makes it a lot easier to understand it and and learn it as opposed to if you're just you feel like you're just memorizing random facts that you don't understand the context of why they 're important
0: mhm oh, that's great, so what excites you about anatomy and physiology? I know you said you were a biology major and then took the the MD route, what about teaching A&P is really exciting for you?
1: I, you know, I think teaching for me is exciting in and of itself. I think, um, you know, I look at my own, my own career and, and why I'm interested in teaching. It's, I think it's an opportunity to help people understand, and, uh, you know, a subject matter and, and help them reach their own goals and both personal and professional goals um, and to be able to help people, uh, help our students get to a place where they can go out into their own careers and help uh, their own patients in the, at some point in the future. Um, and so the, the, what, really, what I really enjoy about uh, anatomy and physiology teaching is helping students put together a lot of the information they've learned in their various classes in chemistry and biology And putting it together into understanding how a person actually works, you know, the physiology of how a human being functions is a really cool thing. And I think to be able to see that, the kind of light that goes on over the student's head at some point Mm -hmm. during the semester, like, wow, this is all this stuff actually comes together. And it's amazing how it all, how it all works and how a human being
0: functions. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very relevant for all of us since we're all humans, right? Right. So, as an instructor, I, I guess I'm kind of leading down uh, what would be your teaching philosophy?
1: So you know i I like to again, I try to try to make things relevant for students and to put things in in context so that they understand why they're learning something. I think you know again, mm-hmm. I think my own experience, looking back at my own experience and and again, I think this is pretty common for for many students. Is sometimes you're taking a class and you're just like, "Well, I'm taking the class because they told me I have to take the class, and I'm not really sure how this applies to what I want to do or what I want to be you know when I when I get out of school and 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 go to work and whatever somebody's prospective career is and so my philosophy is to try to um, to make things as relevant as possible so that students understand. Um, you know, why, the, why this information is important, why it matters to them, how they can apply it in their, in their own lives professionally and even personally, um, you know, I think that is really important in terms of, of, of empowering students um, to understand why this information is useful to them and how they can apply it and how they can use it to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish uh, in their own professional lives.
0: Absolutely, so I know in talking with you um at some events previously that gross anatomy is very important to you, and you actually teach a course in it right we how do have you... a
1: we have a, an advanced anatomy course that I teach
0: fantastic so how do you feel that gross anatomy is so important for students and preparing them for their career field
1: so yeah that's a that's a that's a really that's a that's a great question um you know I think obviously, you know, we teach and, and, and everybody's familiar with the, and the name of this podcast is Succeed in A&P, right? So everybody's familiar with mm-hmm. a, the, the, the relationship of A&P. When I actually took anatomy and, and physiology as a student, they were, I took them as two separate courses, and it wasn't until the, the end of that sequence that I realized, like, well, there's a relationship here, you know, the, 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 that, 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 you know, the form and function are related, and that, The function, you know, determines the the form. You know, the physiology dictates, in many cases, anatomy. You look at the lungs. Why are the lungs constructed the way they're constructed? And that's because we have to have this huge surface area for oxygen diffusion. And so they have to be, the lungs have to be constructed in a way that maximizes the ability for us to, to absorb oxygen by diffusion. And so this that relationship between form and function, I think, is really critical to understanding. Again, how a human being functions, how how do how do our bodies work? And if you look at the the, the relationship between anatomy and physiology, I think understanding anatomic relationships informs our understanding of of physiology, and and vice versa. And so I think both disciplines are important. And I think for for many students. The the sort of the survey course that that we usually the two semester course in anatomy and physiology is a great course, but many students need to have a much more um, deeper appreciation of anatomy itself, and so I think um, the gross anatomy course is really useful in sort of helping students understand or obtain a much more detailed um, analysis of the anatomic relationships of the various uh, organ systems and we teach our advanced anatomy course by a regional approach and I think that's also helpful in terms of being able to look through various uh, relationships of various structures within an anatomic region not necessarily just by organ system as how as how a and uh, when it's packaged together, it's t- sort of taught by organ systems, right, the respiratory system, cardiovascular mm-hmm. system. Whereas when you teach gross anatomy, you teach it more from a regional approach, and you get to see how the muscles interact with the skeletal structures and interact with the vascular and nerve structures within a particular anatomic region. And I think that's really useful as well.
0: Yes, that's great. So fantastic. I know you utilize many of our digital tools for your course including for your gross anatomy course, could you share more about how you incorporate anatomy and physiology revealed and what other digital tools you use that you find successful?
1: Sure. Yeah. We have, um, we're fortunate and we're fortunate here at ASU that we do have uh, human cadavers, but you know, that obviously, um, there are, uh, all kinds of, uh, other issues associated with that safety security. Um, and so, you know, when, you, when you're when you able to use human cadavers, it's, it's in a limited context under the supervision of the faculty. The access for students is limited to a certain period of time. And so we use uh, the Anatomy and Physiology Revealed software as a way to, um, first of all, introduce topics to students before they come to lab so they're familiar with what they're going to be doing um, in the cadaver lab. We use it to reinforce... Concepts that we're going to that we are covering in the cadaver lab and we use it as a way to supplement students experience So that they can go back and look at it outside of their cadaver lab uh, Scheduled laboratory classroom time and it's repeatable, right? It's not like the cadaver where you do something once and it's done with with APR It's repeatable students can do it over and over again. We can assign them uh, certain aspects of APR Um, uh, Michael uh, has been great in helping me uh, sort of parse out various web pages within APR so we can send students directly to a particular web page or a particular aspect of APR that we want them to navigate to. Um, And so we use it to really augment the student's experience that they have in lab. and, and, And in terms of helping prepare them so they can make the best possible use of their time, when they are in lab, um, we're also really fortunate uh, at, at our institution to have um, an anatomage table. Uh, and the anatomage is, is uh, it's a really useful tool. It has the again, it's sort of like um, it's similar to APR in that it is real cadaver images, but it's a, it's actually a piece of hardware. It's a a large table um, that is a touch the, the, the whole table is a touchscreen where you can basically navigate uh, your way through cadaver dissections in a way that's that's similar to APR, but again, we can use it in the laboratory. Uh, we have a dedicated room for it that where we can use it where students can, again, do prosections, they can repeat things, they can look at uh, images that, that the faculty have saved for them to look at. Um, and so we're able to use uh, both APR and the anatomized table as digital resources to really... Um, in a very powerful way, supplement um, our students' experience in lab, and to allow students to expand the amount of time that they're able to have contact, uh, direct contact with the content, as opposed to just being able to look, to look at the, uh, the the cadaver specimens in lab for that brief, you know, couple hours a week when they're actually scheduled in lab.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So even the supplement lab and sometimes people use APR to not just supplement it, but actually as their lab. How do you feel that APR helps just the average AMP student? Um so you, whether they can Yeah,
1: ahead. Ahead. sorry. Um so yeah, mm-hmm. we, we actually do use the APR as our lab for our for the online version of our course and we have a couple oh, great. of that, you know ASU is very Um, very much involved in online education, ASU Online, I'm I'm sure you've probably heard of. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we we do have a couple courses, uh, both an introductory course and a more advanced course. And we use APR as our our laboratory content for both of those online courses. And, um, you know, it provides students who otherwise might not be able to take a course in human anatomy access to content that um, allows them to learn about that material in a way that is accessible, repeatable, uh, and where they can accomplish the learning objectives that are set forth in the course uh, that are the same learning objectives that we have for the students who take the course uh, on ground or in the face-to-face environment. And so the the APR program, uh, again, has been very, very useful for us in being able to um, bring that that content to uh, a platform where students who can't take the course in a face-to-face environment are able to access the course and, again, accomplish their, their, their own um, educational objectives in, uh, in the online environment. That's great.
0: Not many people get to see how it's useful for both. So that's, that's wonderful that you get to do that. And I'm just glad APR is so helpful to you and so many and, and all of your students. So we have a new interface coming this fall, and we've done actually a podcast on this update recently. Uh, So check that out, audience. And um, you have been a part of our advisory board to suggest improvements that will make this interface more user and mobile friendly. What thoughts have you had um, or contributions that you've given on that advisory board to help us make those improvements?
1: Yeah, so we've, that, that's been a really rewarding experience. Um, you know, we've been able to work with the, the folks at McGraw-Hill um, as a group, a group of faculty, and they've been, you know, with, as they've rolled out uh, the various software uh, updates, we've, we've been able to evaluate them and give our feedback of, the, wow, this looks great. See this color scheme is a little bit difficult. Could maybe we could make this you know, a little bit better contrast here so it makes navigation a little bit more obvious and intuitive. Um, and it's been, it's, been a really, um, it's been a really rewarding experience to be able to, uh, be able to give our feedback and have, uh, have the watch the software sort of evolve, the changes in the software sort of evolve based on uh, the information from from a user's perspective of trying to make the navigation more intuitive, more accessible, um, trying to make uh, the content more useful to to the students who are the the end users and and to be able to bring our own experiences with what uh, we perceive students to really like about the product, what we perceive that sometimes are, are challenges for students and that's been great because the, 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 the folks who have been working with Matt Garcia uh, and, and Christy Relihan have been terrific in, in implementing the, uh, the feedback that we've returned to them in, in a way that has, I think, when people start to see the new product, they're going to be really happy with how user-friendly it is and how we've addressed um, areas traditionally that, that have been a challenge for both faculty and for students.
0: Yes, and we are very receptive to you because truly you are the real experts as faculty out there. So so that's great. So at half this, uh, this May, which is coming up very quickly next month, we'll have some really interactive opportunities for you as faculty to play with the new interface and see it even before it goes live this upcoming fall.
1: Yeah, that will be terrific.
0: Yes. Okay, wonderful. And thanks for all your feedback that you're giving on behalf of so many faculty members. Okay, yeah, so been my pleasure. Yeah. So, if you had a silver bullet, so to speak, for your course, maybe it's digital or maybe it's not. What would that be? Um, I know APR is solving a lot of your challenges, but if you had something else, what might that be?
1: Um, I think you know. I think for me, um, the thing that I think is most useful for students in, in their success is. Um, the clarity of, of establishing clarity for what 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 do they need to know, and then allowing them to have the ability to repeat things uh, and and establish confidence that they actually know something. And so, I think the digital tools really are a terrific uh, asset in allowing to you can you can very clearly establish by giving the students particular web pages or particular components of the software that you want them to navigate to and then because it's so accessible to them they can repeat it as often as they need to. Mm -hmm. I think you, you establish a very clear roadmap of what is expected for students. And I think for most students what they struggle with is when they don't feel like they have a clear roadmap of what's expected and what they need to do. And so I think from my perspective, the sort of the silver bullet that I think is really useful in empowering students is giving them a clear roadmap to what they need to know in order to succeed and then giving them the tools to, to, to navigate that roadmap. And I think the digital tools are a great asset in that regard.
0: Great. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. I know you're the director of your very own STEM teaching abroad program in Costa Rica. Yeah. So cool. So, tell us a little bit about that. How you got it started, and some of the benefits of doing it.
1: So, um, it is a great program. We're we're thrilled about it. Uh, we just actually had our first um, our first group of students returned uh, from uh, the 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 um, the experience that we had earlier this semester. And it got started through um, you know ASU is is really terrific about promoting. Um, students and having diverse experiences and um, understanding other cultures and and how the information that they are studying in their own major um, can be applied and is applied in other in other cultures and other parts of the world. And I had a colleague who I who I've worked with here in Arizona, uh, Dr. Sue Hillman, who was uh, uh, who is sort of semi-retired from from teaching anatomy. Um, in some of the graduate programs uh, at, here in the, at the downtown Phoenix campus, and um, so she is, is lives part time in Costa Rica, and she helped me put together a program with a uh, a non traditional school in Costa Rica, where our our students here at ASU that are interested in going into uh, science teaching are able to go to this non traditional school in Costa Rica and work with the teachers there and the students there, and teach um, classes and, and participate in teaching um, classes in this the school called Tide Academy uh, in Tamarindo, which is uh, on the west coast of, of uh, Costa Rica. Um, and our students have had just tremendous experiences there, uh, being able to. Take the knowledge that they are that they are learning in their own majors here at ASU, and to then communicate that information to students uh, in a school in in Costa Rica, and it's given them uh, wonderful experiences in terms of experiencing uh, how people live in another culture, and being able to actually really teach. and they And they do a lot of they do a lot of the teaching for the time that they're there. Uh, they function almost as like a, a tradition in a tradition, what the model that we have here in the United States of a student teacher. Um, and it's mm-hmm. so much been a great experience. And, and uh, the the, the people in Costa Rica and the, the director at Tide Academy um, have been wonderful in welcoming our students and giving them a tremendous experience when they're there. Um, and then we yeah. have other, uh, aside from the teaching, they have other cultural experiences uh, that they're able to participate in. We're in Costa Rica. We went this year. Uh, when we happened to be there was when the sea turtles were nesting and, and the eggs were hatching. And we, so we went out and oh, cool. died and got to see sea turtles coming in and laying their eggs and hatchlings making their way down to the sea. And it was a just a tremendous experience to be able to participate in that.
0: Oh, wow. What an awesome opportunity and something they'll remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. So those students are very lucky to have you and, and take that trip. So well, if you could change... Experience. Yes. What, um, what is one thing about science education that you would change?
1: Um, well, no, that's a, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think, again, I think a lot of people have this, the science is sort of intimidating for people and they have interest in a particular career, but then they have this trepidation about, oh, I have to take all these science classes and could I really do that? And I think, you know, um, I think making science accessible to people is probably the the one thing I would like to be able to change and making it not so intimidating. It's not like this mysterious mm-hmm. thing. It's just something we learn, and, and we're all capable of doing it. Um, I think science tends to, um, tends to sometimes um, kind of keep the public at arm's length, and I don't think anybody benefits from that. Uh, I think if you look at people that you know, like Carl Sagan and, and Stephen Hawking, and um, you know others, uh, they what, what they've done, the value in what they've done is to make science accessible to people and, and to and to make it interesting to the public and um, present it in a way that's that un- people can understand it, whether regardless of what their educational background is. And I think that uh, more than anything is what I would like to change about science is to um, is to change the perception by the public that it's this difficult, mysterious kind of thing, and it's not, that it's accessible to everybody and everybody can understand it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So I love hearing your insights to A&P, and I know this conversation will help many instructors out there. Are there any last words that you would like to leave us with? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that, again, I think in terms of – in studying amp um you know i think the, my the, my big the, the the thing that i try to stress to my students over and over again is is understanding relevance it's a lot easier to understand something it's a lot easier to learn something if you understand it and it makes sense to you and you understand why it's important and so i guess my my key word uh that i try to the, the mantra that i use over and over again in my courses is is relevance and i think that's um, important in any in any AMP course is to uh, communicate uh, and, and, and make sure everybody understands why what they're learning is relevant.
0: Yes, Grant, that's great inspiration. Great inspiration because, like I said earlier, we all want to know the why. Yeah. So wonderful. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being here, and best wishes for the last week of classes for your spring semester. You are definitely an inspiration in the world of A and P. And will we get to see you at HAPS in Portland this year? Will you be there?
1: I, w- you know what, I unfortunately I will not be. Um, it's uh, as it as it often is. It conflicts with uh, the Memorial Day holiday, and um, from my own family situation with one of my one of my children being on the East Coast for school. Um, and, the, uh, it'll be our first family opportunity to be together in a long time. And so, um, I got, uh, when I, when I proposed the idea of going away from Memorial Day to a professional conference, it wasn't well received by my family. <laughs> I won't be there this year, but in, I won't be there in person, but I will be there in spirit. And, uh, I, of course I, I think it's a wonderful meeting and I, I wish, um, I wish I could be there this year, but this year I won't be able to.
0: Well, we will definitely miss you and good for you family first, and uh maybe we can get half to change that memorial day weekend
1: one of these <laughs> days I don't know it seems pretty <laughs> entrenched and 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 it does work for a lot of people, but um occasionally things come up and you you have to uh you have to kind of keep your priorities in order
0: that's right well, good well, I'll be excited to see all of our listeners at the annual event and Speaking of HAP, we are definitely getting closer. So let us know if you're going by emailing me at Valerie.Kramer at MHEducation.com. And, Jeff, would you like to share your uh, contact information if anyone has any questions for you?
1: Yeah, sure. My my contact information is really simple. It's jkingsbury, K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y, at ASU.edu. And um, I'd be, I would love for anybody who's interested to contact me. Uh, always happy to share what information we have and to collaborate with with folks um, in trying to improve our student experience everywhere.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you do Jeff and thank you for everyone out there for listening to succeed in A and until next time, be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more AMP teaching inspiration and have a wonderful week.